Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Time once again for the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BOL, late night on a Sunday, March the 12th, 2023. We've got a lot of basketball to talk on this Sunday evening. As for the eight-time In program history, the Alabama men's basketball team is your SEC tournament champions. For the second time in three years, a double dip for Nate Oates' team. An SEC regular season title with an SEC tournament title to go with it. For the first time in program history, Alabama is the top overall seed in the NCAA tournament. Some bracket thoughts coming up in a little bit, but first a look back on the Crimson Tide's 82-63 win over Texas A&M in the SEC tournament final on Sunday in Nashville. Some early threes for Alabama, I thought, really set the tone in a game in which it never trailed. Defensively, another elite performance from a very connected team on that end of the four. When you think about A&M's dynamic guards, Wade Taylor, Tyrese Radford, they combined for 49 points in the Aggies' win over Alabama a couple Saturdays ago. In round two, they combined to produce 25 points on 7 of 27 shooting from the field. Taylor and Radford on Sunday, were perfect from the free throw line. The duo were 9 of 9 from the line, though, instead of the 20 for 20 they were in the regular season finale against Alabama a couple of weeks ago. So the Aggies shoot 29.7% from the field for the game, and while they did make five threes, Alabama made 12. And so to recap, the Crimson Tide's defensive performance in Nashville, three games, No opponent with more than 63 points. In the two games, Alabama made double-digit threes at Bridgestone Arena. It won by 19 over Texas A&M and 23 over Mississippi State. And even when it didn't hit on 10 or more threes, it still took out Missouri in the semifinal round by 11. So again, a team that is capable of beating you in multiple ways. Defense answered that question once again in Nashville. The fast starts, they didn't exactly resurface in the SEC tournament. But again, when you can defend like this and when you can get to the free throw line at a pretty high rate, win points in the paint, and bash teams on the boards like Alabama did to Texas A&M in the SEC title game, those results are typically going to lead to W's. And that has been the case for Alabama In a season for all time now, when you talk about all-time wins in a single season, check. When you talk about a team that has won the regular season and tournament title in the Southeastern Conference, check. So if there were any lingering questions about Alabama's place as the top team in the SEC, and there shouldn't have been, they were answered with emphasis over the weekend. 
And while we're at it, if there were any lingering questions about who the most impactful player in college basketball is this season, Brandon Miller made another strong case for himself. On Sunday, Miller weathered three first-half fouls to post his second straight double-double of the tournament. In addition to 23 points and 12 rebounds, he had three of Alabama's six steals in the game. It's kind of a lost art, but does any player in basketball or college basketball specifically follow his shot better than Brandon Miller. I love those overlooked details about his game. They go a long way in him getting six offensive rebounds, which is what he did on Sunday against Texas A&M. And how about Javon Quinterly? Latest start sees JQ go for 22 points and three assists. Inside, has there ever been a more signature performance from Charles Bediaco in his two seasons with Alabama than what he put forth in the SEC tournament final? 12 points, 13 rebounds, had five of Alabama's seven blocks in the game. The big man finished the game at a team-high plus 33 in plus-minus and was a real problem. For an A&M team that likes to get the ball to the rim but isn't especially long, not especially athletic. And when you're met with Betty Ako in that situation, it becomes even tougher. And when Alabama is making threes at even a modest or moderate type of rate, it seems like Alabama gets longer on the defensive end. If you're an opposing team and Alabama's getting into double-digit threes, boy, those contested shots seem like they're even tougher to knock down on the other end. While we're sticking with the post, Noah Clowney nearly had a double-double of his own on Sunday, finishing with 9 points and 11 rebounds. He was a point away from Alabama having three guys with double-doubles in the SEC Tournament Championship game. He knocked down a big three there in the second half that helped his team put the Aggies down for the count. Not a huge scoring effort from Alabama's bench against Texas A&M, but no drop-off on the defensive end either. Those nine points from Ryland Griffin were good to see, right? Mired in a slump of late, the freshman looked confident early before knocking down a couple of threes and pulling down four rebounds of his own. Alabama got to the line 22 times, reducing that 17-point gap that A&M enjoyed in the first meeting to four in the rematch. And with that, it's off to Birmingham for the first two rounds of the big dance. Not a long trip, but defense travels well regardless of the venue. If this team makes just enough shots, it's more than capable of making a run to Houston for the Final Four. That run will start Thursday with a matchup coming from a pair of first four participants in southeastern Missouri State and Texas A&M Corpus Christi, who will get together in Dayton on Tuesday night. Remember, it was a first four game winner who knocked off Alabama in the first round of last year's tournament. This Alabama team, though, isn't last year's Alabama team. And I don't think either SEMO or ANMCC is Notre Dame. As for the rest of the bracket, hard not to get excited about a potential matchup with two-seed Arizona in the Elite Eight, the Cats enter the dance with momentum after winning the Pac-12 tournament for a second year in a row, winning a nail-biter over UCLA over the weekend. 
You know, these two teams actually had a home-and-home home four or five years ago with Alabama falling to the DeAndre Ayton-led Cats in Tucson in 2017 before getting past Zona in Tuscaloosa by three a year later. Ayton had like 29-18 and 18 in that first matchup. I think it was Kyra Lewis that came up big for Alabama late in the return game a season later. Also, some previous NCAA tournament history with these two. Look back at the 1990 NCAA tournament. Alabama sent Arizona packing from the West Regional in the round of 32, courtesy of a 22-point shellacking. Talk about what might have been. That 1990 Alabama team was it. You had Robert Ory. You had Melvin Cheatham. You had Keith Askins. And that team tried to slow the game down against Marymount in the 16, when Alabama probably could have scored 160 points on the Lions. In 1985, more of the same, with Alabama winning by nine over the Cats in Albuquerque. Some all-timers for Alabama on that team, too. Bobby Lee Hurt, Buck Johnson leading the way. Back to 40 years later... There's work to be done for both Arizona and Alabama before we can get to another matchup between the two. Alabama wins its first round game on Thursday afternoon at Legacy Arena. It will get the winner of West Virginia and Maryland. What about Huggy Bear potentially in round two for the Alabama Crimson Tide? Potential Sweet 16 matchup with Virginia is out there which very much prefers a more methodical pace of play. The Cavaliers scored only 49 points in the ACC title game loss to Duke over the weekend. You've also got a 12-13 and 13 seed in this region that are capable of making some noise in College of Charleston and Furman. College of Charleston, I believe, won 30 games this season. Also of note, you got Missouri in a potential second-round game with Arizona in the bottom of the bracket. I think that's something to keep an eye on as well. And that's assuming Missouri gets past a 10 seed in Utah State in its first round matchup. So for Alabama, really not a lot to complain about from a draw perspective in my opinion. So much gets made of seeding when matchups are what matter most. From that standpoint, it looks to be a doable draw for the Crimson Tide. Alabama got even more good news a little bit later on Sunday evening as it was revealed that the Alabama women's basketball team has qualified for NCAA tournament play for the second time in three years. Christy Curry's team, a 10 seed, will take on Baylor in first round action coming up later in the week. So a double dip for Alabama hoops when you take into account the Alabama men, the Alabama women who really need to get it going coming into this women's tournament on a bit of a slide and looking to get Brittany Davis going and Hannah Barber and Sarah Ashley Barker and the rest of that team. Team that's capable of knocking down shots, knocking down three-point shots, and that give you a chance in just about any postseason scenario. So much to consider as the madness really cranks up in the next few days. We're going to have full coverage for you right here at BamaOnline.com. Of course, we're going to continue to get you ready for the start of 2023 Alabama football spring drills as well. Recruiting never stops with Tim Watts and Hank South and our crew there at BamaOnline.com. From a team perspective, Charlie Potter, Kirk McNair, and myself, we're going to take care of you. So post up with us right there at BamaOnline.com. 
And certainly hang out with us on the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the globe. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, by the way, the Bama Online Podcast, it's simple as a click or two. Wherever you consume pods, you're going to find us, the Bama Online Podcast. And if you'd leave us a rating and a review while you're there, we would greatly appreciate that as well. Happy Madness, everybody. And until next time, so long. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.